Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that. Final hours here, Monday edition. Glad you're with us, Hutton Withrow with you. It's always the Monday show, Hutton. It's always the one. So I want to clear that hurdle. Well, you know, all the doubters like Matty Ice and everyone else who says we can't make it to Friday. Yeah. It just gets easy. It's all downhill. The rest no. of the week, every time. Coming up, we will uh, rank our best to worst, or worst to best, I should say, NFL coaching hires this offseason, the, the five that we've seen. And uh, we will, I think, disagree on a couple of spots, but maybe uh, maybe no Nathaniel Hackett declarations yet. We'll, or maybe, where Chad just went off the top so rope my, on So mine is just one. more organizational problems. When I want to label, it, like, yeah. Nathaniel Hackett was just terrible from the start. But there are times where situation with quarterback and organization, I hate the hire more because I feel like it's doomed to fail. And that's the case with one of mine on this list. Tiger Woods, he's not winning, but man, I, he's making others look like we're failing. 47-year-old Tiger Woods, he's limping around a golf course. Questions of whether or not he was going to be able to make the cut, and then he does because the conditions help him out. He makes the cut, uh, finishes one under for the tournament, four under 67 on Saturday. And He's not just playing better than just the average PGA Tour professionals. Chad, he's, he's up there with some of the top-ranked players in the, in the world right now, the world rankings at this tournament, the Genesis Invitational. Yes, we're talking about Tiger here, but consider what he's coming back from. And this is his first outing since we saw him at the British Open, which did not look like anything compared to what we saw here this past weekend. I can't wait for Augusta, where... Post-round, uh, he, he says uh, yesterday, he's planning on moving forward, just participating in the four majors. And maybe we see some spot things based on sponsorship, but the four majors, he's going to try to focus on that to get his body ready. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, and, and what is a Tiger Woods moment that we seek now? Because I found myself watching over the weekend thinking, but this is a Tiger Woods moment when he was great. He was four under. I think it was plus one. He finished Saturday at three under, four under on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Had a plus two day on Sunday and finishes at one under par in this tournament. But even finishing it, we talked last week, and I said if he can make it without withdrawing you know, physically or making the cut, it'd be a great accomplishment. It was a remarkable accomplishment over the weekend for him to complete all four rounds the way he did. So now what is that Tiger moment? I don't think it's winning a major. Right. But is it – in competition on Saturday, you know, a stroke or two off the lead where every hole, everyone's watching what's going on at a major again. I think that's possible, right? If Phil Mickelson could win the PGA championship when no one was expecting it, I won a lot of money off that. Thank you yes, very you much, did. Phil. Uh, not as much as he's making on the live tour, but it'll do for my household. But maybe it's something that like that, right? I mean, yeah. if it's into the weekend where he is relevant in a major, that's and, an enormous accomplishment. And on Saturday, while John Rahm and others were pulling away, 
Tiger was relevant in not just because it's Tiger on screen, because if he's on TV, people are watching, right? We're not alone in this. Um, but it was it, he's playing well. You know, he's playing not just competitive, but at four when he's four under, he, he's playing where he, you can see where he gives you hope that he can win. And he's backing up what he said on Wednesday, where he's like, "I wouldn't be here if I mentally, I'm 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 here to win. I'm I'm not just here to you know prove to myself I can walk around a course for four days straight." That that to me is the next big hurdle is can't going into a weekend. Where is he on the leaderboard, and is he in contention? Maybe he doesn't win a, a major, but he can he be in contention given the the way his body's breaking down. I'll also say this about the limp and the way his body looks while he's playing. He looked far worse in his practice round or whatever I saw before that tournament started walking around the course. And there is some sort of uh, magic potion that starts when he's in competition mode where that limp didn't look as bad. We talked about yeah. it when he hit it in, when he putted into yes. the rough <laughs> on the green and he got, he bounced into the, into the rough and bounced out relatively quickly. I thought that looked better than I expected it to look based on how he was limping around before the tournament started. So I do think that there is a competition factor with him where mentally he can put away some of that pain and that limp when he gets rolling and he's actually walking the golf course. It's never going to go away, and it's only going to get worse as time goes on. But at least for now, I thought the limp looked like less of a limp as he got going during the tournament. It's it, it you can still is, see it, but not as bad. It's no easy task either because he was asked about his routine now. Uh, here he is on uh, the, the post round quote I pretty much lay in ice pretty much all night. It's not fun, very cold all the time, and then treatment, then getting muscles activated and go back and hop in the cold again. The ebb and flow of that, it's hard. It's hard mentally, it's hard physically. That's pre bed, <laughs> pre sleep. And he's waking up to try to get the muscles going again for the next day. That's the struggle. It's not walking the course as much as it is walking the course, doing that, waking up, doing it again, and getting to Sunday to where you can be in striking distance of the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, what does his day, what do, what do his legs feel like the moment he puts his feet down off the bed yeah. every morning? And then how long of a routine is it? to get it going where you can not look like you're in enormous pain just to walk down a fairway. What is that process like every day? Can't be easy. Chad, do you think it's good or bad or it doesn't have to be bad that the winner of the dunk contest, Mac McClung is someone that they had. I believe they had him. He was so popular for winning the dunk contest that at the all-star game yesterday, they had him introduce post Malone. So that people could see him again, like, so now he does what <laughs> after winning the dunk contest? Is it good or bad that the league had that moment? I don't, it doesn't have to be bad, like just that it's not, it's not a player that has shoes for sale. You know, like, well, it's like, not a, so, a brand name. Like this, this isn't even insanity level. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the worst players to win a dunk competition. In NBA history, mm-hmm. remember Baby Jordan, Harold Miner for the Heat, the guy who looked like oh, Jordan, yeah, that did nothing. <laughs> he may have played like the the last half of that season, and that could was dunk. it. But he could dunk. Uh, D Brown, remember the famous D Brown dunk with the Celtics? 
I think D. Brown had a little bit better of a career, but didn't really last that long yeah. or do much in the league either. I think Mac McClung is just another in a long line of guys that we'll quickly forget about that will do nothing in the NBA. I'm not sure how much and of a moment this is. Anymore. You know what? But well, okay. Um, well, I, it was a it was a bigger moment years ago. You know when Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan were battling it out. That's the one against one in a dunk competition. Yeah, you got to have the competition. Or even the Vince Carter year where he participated and was great. And the dunk contest, uh, you can win this without being a great dunker. You know, Nate Robinson won it for being small. Right, he's not known for being a great dunker in his career. Yeah, but he won the dunk contest. Because he's a little guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's run its court. I don't... The crazy When guys thing are getting calls, call-ups from the G League yeah. right before they're put in the dunk competition, you've really removed... But, if they have an not just opportunity call, it, to win the dunk competition with that going on their resume and that yeah. being a part of their resume, you've really just undermined any legitimacy of the dunk competition. So but, I don't well, know how big they, of a moment it is anymore. They clearly saw him do something in the G League and said, let's find a reason to put this guy in because everyone else turns us yeah, down. Yeah, and he's white. Yeah. Well, that's I it. mean, that's a, that, let's, let's face it. That's an anomaly. But the... Uh, who was the, the guy I feel like was in it who won it one year? Brent Barry? Remember when Brent Barry went like way in front of the free throw line to dunk it? Uh, one oh, year he in tried the to. And well, then, he had like the full LA Clippers. I can still see mm-hmm. it. He had the full LA Clippers warm-up on, long sleeves and everything, and won it. I mean... Part of the mystique of it is it's a white guy winning the dunk competition. And every year... It's the reason they have a, a white man can't jump remix huh? <laughs> coming up. The, the reboot to white man can't star jump. Maybe he'll in it now. Is Mac McClung. He's really you know, giving fuel to that uh, Jack Harlow-led film but that can will you, be released soon. Can you imagine being like uh, Mac McClung, you know, early to mid-20s, whatever. Um, I feel bad for Dr. J, by the way, having to pose for a photo with Mac McClung. What we're showing think right about, now. Think about the what moment. What a disrespect though. to a great in Dr. J. He's probably, he looks very friendly in this photo, but he's thinking, well, this is not a photo I'm going to be proud of years from now. This one where I'm honoring Mac McClung for winning the dunk competition. But the, the idea that like you and I growing up in our era of the NBA, you know, back in our day, imagining that you could win the dunk competition in the league. Oh, it's huge. Mac McClung, I mean, should inspire well, all those on with uh, that no longer have trampolines to go out and buy them again. Well, and this may get be this may very well still happen, but you know, it, in our era, everyone had a dunk goal they could go to. Like you lower someone's backyard oh, goal, yeah. and then you know you're watching the dunk competition. I would try this, or I would do this. Then you go in the yard and you try those dunks that you think you would do in the dunk and competition. That kid, that kid, that kid's kids yard always that had now. the mini trampoline where you could do more. Yeah, I mean, they probably are, and I'm just not aware of it because my kids aren't of an age to do this, but are kids watching YouTube clips or social media clips of the winning dunk and trying to replicate it? I don't know. Or trying to do their own dunks in the backyard? Like, I, I know I know Harold Miner and D. So, Brown. D. Brown was like the big thing you'd all do where you just you know blindfolded yourself with your arm essentially, and dunked it as a kid, that was a big thing to attempt on a dunk goal. Our kids looking up Mac McClung footage and going and saying, I'm going to do the Mac McClung now? The, this uh, is where I sound like an old man because well, I don't know no, what they're doing. You're right. Yeah. What's happening so, on the streets? Are the kids here's the doing irony these things? Of it. Here's the irony of the dunk competition. If it went away, the fans would absolutely hate it if it went away on NBA All-Star Weekend. But it's not any good either. So, I mean, should the NBA just say, you know what? 
we're going to take a two-year, three-year hiatus with it. And then you wait on, or maybe you don't even give a time frame. And then you wait on the next star who's actually willing to step up for the good of that event and bring it back. You know, bring it back to life. Bring it back from the dead. That's what it's lacking. It's lacking just a little rivalry to it where you have the back and forth. It shouldn't be Team LeBron and Team Giannis for, on Sunday night. It should be LeBron against Giannis on Saturday night. That's what it should be. And that's what it was. And that's what it's missing. That's the missing secret ingredient where they're not going to do anything we haven't seen before, but it's the best in the world entertaining us on a Saturday night for the dunk competition instead of having to call up someone and act like he's a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, the only way to make it a thing again is to make it not a thing now. I think you probably put it to bed for five to ten years, and then people will start clamoring for it again, and then it will become a thing if you get the right group five years from now to come back and do a dunk competition, and then suddenly it's something that fans want to see again. you gotta, you got to create demand, right, Hutton? <laughs> right now there's no demand for this. How you create demand is you eliminate product. So eliminate the product of having these events every year, and then you create demand. Story at OutKick, a White Sox pitcher, Mike Clevenger, former Padre, got paid, then got hurt. Now he's with the White Sox. Uh, reportedly, he's threatening legal action against the Chicago radio station after that station conducted an interview with his ex-girlfriend. Uh, her name is Olivia Feinstein, and she's repeatedly accused him of domestic abuse uh, against her and their, their 10-month-old daughter. And then she went on 670 The Score in Chicago and detailed this um, and went through those allegations. And now he's, you know, he's denied all this. But now he's reportedly seeking legal action against the radio station uh, for having her on as a guest to go through that. Um, and it's... Uh, they could potentially be sending a cease and desist for, uh, for defamation. That's what the lawyers are saying to the Chicago Sun-Times. Yeah. For, for having I, the guest I, on. I think that um, when I see this legally, I just immediately think it's going to end up being a cease and desist, and probably the station will just take down the interview or any way for anyone to download it or see it. I don't know. But it's also, you know, where does that extend? You, you, you are accusing someone of saying something factually incorrect about you. Right. That's demeaning your character. Well, is it on the radio station to not interview that person? Right, It's them saying it, not the radio station. But the radio station gave the megaphone for it. I just think it's a slippery slope. You can sue anyone. There's nothing stopping anyone from trying to sue anyone. My question would be, what happens now with this and the radio station well, with it, Clevenger? It, you know, it, and it's, uh, it's a story in Chicago because he's on a one-year contract. We're still waiting for uh, Trevor Bauer who's able to play uh, to see where, what's going to happen with that across Major League Baseball. They have the domestic violence policy in MLB where he doesn't have to be, he doesn't even have to have files charged against him to meet the criteria to face a suspension for Major League Baseball. So, I mean, with this, that's a storyline because they're trying to figure out why, why are the White Sox cool to this point with playing it because they have the stance of, well, as we wait for the legalities to play out, we're going to play him. At least that's what the GM is saying. He's not under some 10-year deal. 
It's a one-year contract. So if you're just going to pitch him while the thing plays out, well, that could be the season. And then he's not under contract anymore. And you don't bring him back, but you get him on the mound. So that I think in, in the news element of it, that's what the station's doing. That's what 670's doing. They're trying to figure out what the allegations are, the details of it, and why or why not the White Sox haven't done anything about it to this point if, uh, if it warrants that. But again, he's denied those claims. It's when you put a very broad and vague policy in as a league, like MLB's domestic violence policy, the league can do anything they want. We saw it with Trevor Bauer based on an allegation. They, that just gives them discretion to say, if it looks bad, we can do whatever we want to you, whether it's true or not. If someone accuses you of something, we can put you on the shelf for as long as we want and, and do so in a way that remains very vague. Yep. Hit us up at Outkick360. Coming up, the five new coaches, new teams, uh, with new teams in the, the NFL. Who made the best tire? Who was the worst and why? That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. President's Day. Place is packed. It's a big... Uh, I don't they, blame them. They really like to celebrate President's Day around yeah. here at Six and Peabody. Right. It's a very important holiday for them. What is it on Step Brothers where he wants Columbus Day off? Is that it? What's your Columbus Day work policy? That's a very important <laughs> holiday for us that they need it off. That's, that's President's Day around here. Chad, um, let's rank our five coaching hires, all the positions filled, five to one, Worst to first. And let's start by discussing. Should we alternate the, or are you going well, and then I'll, I'll go? I'll go. And You'll then go you five go. to one, yeah, then I'll go I'll five, go to, five one. to one. Perfect. But let's start by beginning with the last hire of the cycle. And that was Jonathan Gannon of the Arizona Cardinals, new general manager there too, and Monty Austin for it. Here is Jonathan Gannon. What was an awkward, I mean, I, I'd say awkward. I was talking to a coach this weekend. He goes, well, you know, you got Michael Scott down there in Arizona in, in Glendale. And I thought he was talking about Michael Bidwell. I was like, what do you, he goes, no, you need to check out this video. And he sent it to me. And here is uh, just the mesmerizing video of Jonathan Gannon. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Shots, explosives, explosives. You can run. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's John, the, everything you heard there is Jonathan Gannon, the shoo, new head coach. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Shots. How about this? Explosion. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yes, that is Michael Scott. Um, the report is he turned down an offer to stay with Philly. Philly offered him more money to stay as the defensive coordinator than what Arizona offered him to become the new head coach. And he decided to do it because he wants to be a head coach and not take the extra whatever 
thousands or it could be a million, I guess, uh, based on whatever Philly was wanting to do to keep him around. It really is amazing that you can be that bad as an NFL owner and never have to worry about anything. <laughs> I mean, they, just be just be ridiculously bad at your job. You can be cheap. You can do whatever you want. They could never win another game you're right. or be relevant ever again. They could never sell a single ticket to a game, and that dude will make bank year after year by not even caring if he's good at his job or if the team is any good. That's really remarkable when you think about that as opposed to any other business in America, that if you are a family who owns an NFL team, don't worry about doing anything right if you don't want to because you're going to be fine. That is the Bidwell family. That's it. That's what they've done. They, they've made and, their living off of that. And it's another coaching search where they drag their feet a bit and they end up with first-time general manager, first-time head coach, and now they're piecing a staff together that's extremely young. Not always a bad thing, but he's number five. We're going five to one, Chad. By the way, uh, opposed to Dan Snyder, who's really bad at being an NFL owner, but at least he, he, he tried. <laughs> Oh, he spent, he money. spent money, right? I mean, at least, well, at least I feel like he was trying to win. He's just bad at it. Bidwell paid Kyler Murray, and that's why Jonathan Gannon, I have him listed at five uh, ahead of some other hires. And the quote from Jonathan Gannon is why he's at number five. On Kyler Murray, uh, football, <clears throat> football Morning America, excuse me, uh, if Kyler Murray, this is from Gannon, if Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job. I think this offense will look much different. This guy does things that it completely handcuffs you on how you play defense at times. I think we can take him to another level and unleash his full skill set. We're not going to put him in the gun all the time, I'll tell you that. We'll have two significant offenses with his skill set. One being under center, one being in the gun. Then obviously we're going to do what's comfortable with him. The way to take pressure off the quarterback in the O-line is to put him under center at times. It's the missing piece. Putting Kyler Murray under center is the missing piece. I, the missing piece is knowing that you have a franchise quarterback. And coaches that reportedly didn't want the gig because Kyler Murray was there, you have the defensive coordinator and Jonathan Gannon who is acting like Michael Scott on video saying that the reason he took the job was for Kyler Murray. Uh, maybe so. Um, Kingsbury also wanted him. Kingsbury's not there in part because of Kyler Murray. Uh, number five, or he was number five. Number four on my list, Shane Steichen with the Indianapolis Colts. He's going to be calling plays. Uh, excuse me, I got, I got this mixed up. I got Frank Reich number four. Frank Reich's number four, and here's why. He is now taking over Carolina, and it's a Carolina crew without a quarterback. You don't know. that They have been... The veteran mentality of what they want in New York, Chad, with the Jets, they want the quarterback that's a veteran. Carolina's been trying that for three years. And now they've got Can't the, get anyone. The, they, no one will choose them. No. Frank Baker Reich, Mayfield. Frank that's, Reich. That's what they got. What, took Indy, convinced them to go with Carson Wentz was who he stood on the hill for. And we know how that ended up. He's now taking over a group that has a ton of draft capital, They've got a, a lot invested on defense in the draft. They have some weapons on offense, but not enough. And they don't have the QB. Frank Reich, to me, seems like the stabilizer in a weird way. It feels like a Ron Rivera type hire. And for that, I've got him at, at number four. Um, moving forward, 
with the the list. It, Shane Steichen and the Indianapolis Colts. Chad Steichen is more fiery than Frank Reich. That's a good thing for Indianapolis's roster and their locker room. Uh, basically running the same thing. And he's going to be paired with a young quarterback. But the issue I have with this is he's not paired up with Chris Ballard. It doesn't feel like. Ballard did a nice job and convinced Ursay somehow to not go with Jeff Saturday, where everyone knew and thought he was going to be the guy. But I look at this and think, there's a new GM on the horizon there. And that's not a good thing for Shane Steichen. I wouldn't pass it up either. The other thing, and we, do, we just don't know this. Does, does he know what he doesn't know? Right? And maybe it's unfair to ask that question at this stage. But he's going to be calling plays there. And that's extremely difficult as a first-time head coach to call plays. And I realize that's what got him there. But there's a lot more to it than just, oh, here's the playbook, here's the offense, defense, handle your stuff. Are you challenging? Are you keeping up with what's going on? That's tough. And only a few actually succeed at that across the league. He's number three on my list. Member of the all-names team, Jim Bob Cooter, named just now the offensive coordinator in Indy for Shane Steichen. That, that is a tough situation. I, I will get into my list, but I, I think Arizona, Indy right now are difficult spots. Everyone on this list is not in the best of spots because they're having to hire a new coach for one reason or another, but those are two that are going to be tricky. Uh, number two, D'Amico Ryans. And with Ryans, for me, he inherited what was a really solid roster in San Francisco. Robert Sala, whenever he took the Jets gig, D'Amico Ryans took over that roster, and they are set up in a great way for the, for the next big jump defensively in San Fran. Um, Steve Wilkes is going to crush it there, and he should, just like D'Amico did, just like we saw with Robert Sala. The issue I have is he's now, I hope they're going to give him time. But he's now the fourth head coach in four years. He has a six-year contract, which is great. They are taking a quarterback early. They are talent depleted, which is the opposite of what we've seen out in San Francisco. And now it comes down to he's a solid young coach who now gets the head coaching opportunity. Can he pair all of that with a solid staff? And then do they have time to get to work? That's why he's not number one. He could be. He was number one on Denver's list. They tried to go back to him, which John McClain confirmed. They end up with the number one hire for me. And to me, it's a no-brainer with Sean Payton. Because it's just as important that Sean Payton chose Denver as Denver hired him. The staff he's going to be putting together, the veteran coaches, they want to work with someone that's been there and done that. There's a reason why... You're not seeing Rex Ryan's name pop up for Shane Steichen and uh, Jonathan Gannon or D'Amico Ryan's. Um, and it doesn't always have to do with a 3-4 or 4-3. The veteran coaches want to work for veteran coaches. Guys they respect, guys that they know are going to respect their opinion behind the scenes and not just do it their way. And here's the big part. I think Peyton can get Russell Wilson back to what we've seen from him in, in Seattle. Doesn't have to be the Super Bowl winning 
play from him in that full season. But I, whatever happened last year, Peyton's not taking this job to look foolish. And he could have waited a year and chose not to. I think that speaks volumes. He's number one on my list, Jeff. Went a little bit different than you, Hutton, on my list. We'll start uh, with number five. By the way, I like it. I like it. I had no issues with Sean Payton at number one, but I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Number five on my list is Frank Reich of the Panthers. Here's the deal with Frank Reich. Uh, He's too comfortable with losing, and we saw that a year ago. Maybe I'm being uh, way too overly influenced by hard knocks in season Indianapolis Colts edition from when they went to Jacksonville, a terrible, terrible Jacksonville squad where Urban Meyer was fired during the season. And all they had to do was win in a regular season finale and go to the playoffs. And instead, they looked terrible, and he looked way too comfortable with losing in his time there. Wasn't all bad in Indy, but I am not a big fan of retread guys, especially ones who were just fired midseason from their prior job. I think Frank Reich's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's a good offensive mind. I don't think he's a dynamic head coach. For that reason, I don't love the hire for the Panthers. And I, I do think he's a good coach. I, I'm with you. I, you have to be able to manage a lot of different personalities. And I, I got the sense in Indy that he put a lot of players around him that had the same type of personality. Carson Wentz. Same type of demeanor you're talking about after a loss in Jacksonville, right? Like, to yes. me, it's the same type of reaction. And while Frank Reich's not laughing and, you know, he's not uh, jovial leaving the field and saying, hey, have a, you know, have a great offseason, it didn't hit him like I thought it should in that locker room the way they lost that must-win game to get into the postseason. I'm with you, man. I think that, um, you know, he is a good, good guy, a mature coach. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, and there's a sort of an adult in the room presence about him. I don't think he's inspiring any great confidence in an organization, right? That he's just not that guy that's going to come in and whip a losing organization into shape and really take off. Where people are like, man, this guy gets it. He's exactly what we need. He's not that type of personality or guy. For that reason, I have him fifth on this list. Now, based on the video we saw of Jonathan Gannon being Michael Scott from The Office, I'm not sure he has the personality or presence uh, to bring it either in Arizona. That's why he's number four on my list. It's the unknown, honestly, with uh-huh. Gannon that has me has him one spot ahead of Reich on my list. He could be terrible. He's in the worst spot of any organization on here. He's got terrible ownership. He's got a quarterback who wants to play Call of Duty more than go to the calling of his job, which is to study film and the playbook for that week. Uh, he's got a, a quarterback who killed Cliff Kingsbury, quite frankly, which people thought was impossible based on Cliff Kingsbury's look and his girlfriend and his Thailand visit. But he was, in fact, able to be killed, and Kyler Murray did that in Arizona. Not a great spot to be in. Don't love him making the laser sounds to players that walk up to him, all of that. But he's number four on my list, honestly, because no one knows enough about this guy. He's young. Yeah, yeah. He had a good year with, uh, with Philadelphia this year and what was the best team in the NFL for the majority of the season. But it's the unknown that puts him one spot ahead of Frank Reich for me. I know too much about Frank Reich to rank him ahead of Jonathan Gannon. Number three on my list, Shane Steichen with the Colts. I'll be completely transparent here. 
that quarterback sneak they run put him third on this list. <laughs> that offensive quarterback sneak. I am a QB sneak guy. Regardless of who it is. And when I watch the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback sneak, if I am hiring a coach, I'm like, I want the dude who orchestrates that. That is a, a work of art on the football field. And what they do offensively with, with Jalen Hurts, a guy that I think is a traditional quarterback in the sense that he's a great leader, he's smart, yeah. he can throw it, is not traditional in that he's one of the strongest guys pound for pound on the team. He's a good runner. You can do some different things with him. Shane Steichen unlocked a lot of that mm-hmm. with, uh, with Jalen Hurts. So number three on my list, Shane Steichen. Back to the list, number two, Hutton. A surprise. Sean Payton. There it is. Appearing for you. Sean Payton's won a Super Bowl. I get it. Sean Payton, number two on my list, probably doesn't make a lot of sense for people because you had to trade to get him. That's how good he was, and someone was going to do it. Whether you believe Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or John McClain, Mm -hmm. I believe John McClain, without a doubt, at all times, the Denver Broncos went back to D'Amico Ryans because that's how damn good that guy was in the process. They wanted D'Amico Ryans over Sean Payton. They traded for Sean Payton and made that happen after they made a last-ditch effort at D'Amico Ryans, and D'Amico Ryans did not want that job. He wanted to go to the Houston Texans. That weighs heavily with me. D'Amico Ryans feels like the perfect candidate in that we knew he was going to get a job, and he had his choice between the Texans and the Broncos. That says a lot to me. Now, can D'Amico Ryans go and get Rex Ryan and go get the staff that Sean Payton can? No, because D'Amico Ryans has never been a head coach, and he's not won a Super Bowl. So I understand Sean Payton being number one on probably anyone else's list. I'm just saying D'Amico Ryans feels like the perfect candidate from what we've seen from him in San Francisco the spot he's in now with a young and growing roster, mm-hmm. what they're going to be able to, to, to do with cap flexibility, with draft picks, everything else, they're going to go get their quarterback in this draft also. Give me D'Amico Ryans over Sean Payton, even though Payton's won the Super Bowl. The other thing, too, I, that I can't stop thinking about on that whole saga, which felt like a, you know an AD going across country to find their coach, um, whenever they're doubling back and, and trying to get Jim Harbaugh, and then they go to to uh, to D'Amico Ryan's, then ultimately go back to Sean Payton. I I just got the sense from the reports that all really started on Payton and one of the owners. The deciding fact they were ha- they couldn't come to terms. They were having some trouble with the power structure, and to me, whatever Payton was demanding was less than what D'Amico Ryans and Jim Harbaugh were demanding. And so they were trying to figure out a way to get a really good coach, a coach that they liked and loved, and not have to give up the power dynamic contractually. Again, I'm just trying to read between the lines with that. But he was all, Peyton's always mentioned in Denver. D'Amico Ryans mentioned for all these hires. I don't think they could go wrong with that. I do find it interesting, though, that... They were after D'Amico Ryans, but Russell Wilson is, he's got to be at the forefront of that decision, right? So who was D'Amico going to bring with him to run his offense, right? That, that's what I'm, you bring in Sean Payton, you've got that done. Like, 
Russell Wilson, Sean Payton married together. There they go. Contractually. We've yeah. traded three first rounds and three second rounds. If you're Denver, you're saying, in essence, for Sean Payton and, and Russell Wilson. With D'Amico Ryans, it, was, it would have been different. And I'm wondering what they would have had set up there. Well, we don't know what... Um we don't know what Denver's going to be from an ownership group perspective, you know, how good they're going to be in the league. But I do feel like, with the exception of, you know, Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. uh, the best organizations have, uh, I think about Philly right now, right? Strong ownership with Jeffrey Lurie, strong GM with Howie Roseman, strong head coach, Nick Sirianni. Those are the organizations oftentimes set up to be the best long-term. Andy Reid has a lot of control, but Brett Veach does too. In Kansas City, good ownership with the Hunt family, yes. good GM, head coach that's over the offense. So I don't know if you're, if you're not Bill Belichick, I don't know that giving Sean Payton all the power in the world is necessarily a good thing. Well, what they did It might want. be. It might turn out great, but I, I would like the situation where it's good ownership, good head coach that knows their side of the ball really well, that hires a good opposing coordinator for the other side and a really good, talented GM. I'm going to ask in the back, can we cue up the Jonathan Gannon uh, video again? Because this is why Denver's ownership group acted the way they did. Because D'Amico Ryans ends up in Houston. Jim Harbaugh, they flew to Ann Arbor, and Jim Harbaugh said, no, I don't want to be Denver's head coach. Sean Payton was demanding too much. Those are the three they wanted. What they didn't want after firing Nathaniel Hackett was hiring Jonathan Gannon. Hey! What's up, man? How you doing? Good. 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 I mean, can you imagine? Explosives. Explosives. Does he narrate everything he does? After the disaster that was Nathaniel Hackett, they announced... You know, we've hired Jonathan Gannon. Here we go. And then that's the video that posts as he introduces himself to Russell Wilson. I can also never trust someone with posture that good. <laughs> like he I'm is kinda, way too straight up when he's talking to him. It's like he's it, like trying to adjust his posture in a way that's like perfectly straight as an arrow as he's talking. It, that's can't trust a man with posture that good. <laughs> that, if, look, I don't own an NFL team, but if I did, I'd make decisions based on things like that. If he walks like in, his, his back's just way too straight, you're saying? If he sits up. If and, I was in the Walton Penner family, yeah. and I'm one of the owners in that room, and they go down, you know, what did you think about this guy? What did you think? They'd get to Jonathan Gain, I'd be like, I don't like his posture. Too straight up. Oh, is he slunched over? Though? No, no. Too straight up. I feel like he's trying to put on some sort of a front that it's not who he is when you have posture that straight. We've seen a, a, lot of, a lot of overreaction um, to drive-through windows. There's another example of that for you. Plus, uh, Chad, we had to throw back some nostalgia on Friday night, right? With yeah. Sandler. Another opportunity tonight, which we can recap uh, with a, a band that's You have the opportunity that, that, that I'm jealous I'm of. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, uh, if you're around our age, if you're in the 30s, 40s, you know uh, the band we're talking about, and it's not often you get a chance to see them. That's next, Now Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. It's been a fun show. Thanks to our crew for making it happen. Thanks to you for joining us across the Outkick Network tonight, Jed. I get the chance to go see Bush at the Ryman. I, w- I don't think I'm I would. Very jealous. I don't think I would go like to a amphitheater show, for instance, for this. Uh, but at the Ryman, yeah, I'll this go is wherever. Be awesome. I'll go. I'd go wherever Bush goes or wherever. Wherever Gavin Rostow goes Gavin, yeah. is where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going everywhere. But you have uh, could be in an amphitheater, could be in a park, like this could is, be in an arena, could be at Ryman. I'd go wherever I, that man goes. Fair enough. I I can't disagree with that. Uh, Sixteen stones and Razor Blade Suitcase are the two albums back to back for me that I would play on repeat from them. Sixteen the Stone. 90s. There's there's uh there's no bad no bad songs on that one. That that that's the one for me. Um, very 90s weekend for you, Hutton. I, I've got it to was, experience yeah. Adam Sandler with you. Now you're going to Bush. Um, is it going to be Blind Melon next? I mean, who's, <laughs> who's next on the list for you? Who's, who's the out band, there playing? Who's the band we saw the first time we ever attended a Super Bowl together? Was it Gin Blossoms? That was it, yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, they do sing this. Yeah, oh, it was like from Hey Jealousy and then everything. Yeah. Oh, these, <laughs> these guys really had a lot of hits. It's amazing. We went from Gin Blossoms to uh, DJ Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing because I don't think we knew who was playing that night at the media party. We had no idea. And we were like at a dude ranch in Arizona. Remember that? And it was like 38 degrees at night. And then out of nowhere, we just forget. heard, ladies and gentlemen, gin blossoms. <laughs> like, whoa. Wait, at 23 years old, when you hear gin blossoms is <laughs> playing, you know, your life is really altered forever. A while back. I don't understand Seems DJ, like yesterday. DJ Khaled. We saw, we saw him in Arizona, oh, and I'm thinking, yeah. what? I could do this. He just plays songs. Well, I don't know if I can and produce then talks it. over I, it. I, I, yeah, I, I, but it, has he even produced it? I didn't hear any different production. Well, he produces a lot of what he, all of that. But like he's uh, collaborating. I, I don't need all the talking over it though. I'm with you. But it felt like I was like listening to an actual old school rock or rap radio disc jockey <laughs> doing his job live in front of people. It's pretty much what music is. Just now. hitting the post and then playing you know, the next song. That's what Rihanna did at halftime. It was very I odd. I just hit play. It's very odd. I don't, I don't understand it. Hit us up on social at Outkick360. Um, so we've seen you know, people get upset in drive through lines. Maybe you've witnessed it in person. I've never seen someone get so upset that they're cussing someone out or uh, they're getting in an argument, they're throwing stuff. I've never seen that. Uh, but there's a Florida woman who pulled a gun on a McDonald's employee uh, after she did not receive the free cookie. Um, where, what have we become? Where I didn't know there was a free cookie at McDonald's. I was at McDonald's over the weekend with my kids. I didn't know there was a free cookie option. Is this the only, uh, the only option for, uh, uh, for Florida? You just, you're cool because you're in Florida and you have this, you know, the free the, cookie? The free state of Florida. Everything's free. Yeah. You just, you just walk up to windows or drive up to them and demand a free cookie everywhere you go. Yeah. I didn't know this was a corporate policy by McDonald's. <laughs> Shocked to know this. 
I mean, it's it's. Uh, oh, someone we had video. The of way this. the way people react. <laughs> I heard this story. and I'm like, please say there's video from the oh, drive-through wow. of this happening. Yeah, I'm sure there's a surveillance video of it. Here's my take on McDonald's from over the weekend, having eaten it now, and I, I don't eat it often. I'm surprised you went. Um, well, I I gave the girls. We went to the park on Saturday morning, and I said, if we go to the park and you're good, we can go get lunch out somewhere. It was just me and the two girls. And I said, and you can pick where we you go on this side of town. Mm-hmm. So we're on one side of town. I'm like, we're not going to the other Your side decision. of town. We're not going to Chick-fil-A. I know that's what you're going to say, but it's on the other side of town. So here are the options on this side of town. And I went through them, you know, Taco Bell, uh, all these different places. Got to McDonald's. McDonald's. McDonald's is what we want. I'm thinking, okay. Okay, we'll go, we'll go to McDonald's. Went to McDonald's. Got the Happy Meals. Got whatever they wanted. Got the Shamrock Shakes. And my experience with McDonald's this time, and I'm not, I'm not a McDonald's hater at all, but uh, it all tastes the same. <laughs> Everything. I feel like my shamrock shake tastes the same as my double quarter pounder See, as tastes the same as my French fries. It all, it all, it all had the same exact taste to me. Except and for it, the Coke. I can't understand Except it. for the special ingredient I don't think Coke these are COVID have. symptoms either. I, it all tasted the same. There was no big... This is di- now the third virus in as many weeks? I'm fighting every virus off, just left and right. Oh, it's because you went to McDonald's. I'm there. like an MMA fighter, but I fight viruses. That's all I do now for a living. Yeah. My body is constantly fighting a virus. <laughs> Patient zero for at all. all. Time. I'm also doing uh, the uh, immunotherapy allergy things, mm-hmm. and I'm taking three of the it. animal allergy drops hey, a day. The, the, Could be part of it. The Mickey D's Coke recipe that they have, the special recipe they have, where it just... Just an extra little kick to it. Perfect. It's made with their fries. That's the special, yeah. special ingredient. It's made their fries, there. Yeah. which tastes just like their burger Hope and their you'll shakes. you'll join us tomorrow across the Outkick Network. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern. Outkick 360. Have a great evening. <laughs>